In the bustling world of commercial real estate, predicting losses on defaulted loans is like steering a ship through a stormy sea. It's a world where numbers and predictions can either spell success or disaster. And in this episode, we're diving deep into a fascinating paper by Ying Wu, Garvit Aurora, and Xuan May from J.P. Morgan Chase & Co. Their study, titled Using CPI in Loss-Given Default Forecasting Models for Commercial Real Estate Portfolio, offers a new beacon of light in the storm. The challenge they tackle is forecasting loss-given default, or LGD, for commercial real estate loans. This is crucial because, unlike other loans, when commercial real estate loans default, the resolution and workout time can stretch over years. And adding to the complexity, models have to work within frameworks that restrict using post-default information. This means predictors need to be broad, forward-looking, and frankly, smart. Enter the Consumer Price Index, or CPI. It's a measure that most of us know as an indicator of inflation, tracking the average change over time in the prices paid by urban consumers for a market basket of consumer goods and services. The authors present a compelling argument. By analyzing data, including observations from the COVID-19 period, they found that CPI growths like year-over-year growth and logarithmic growth are good leading indicators for various real estate rates and indices. This is a game changer because it directly addresses a common issue models face, early downturn underestimation. It's like having a crystal ball that helps you navigate through the financial fog. They tested this using a plethora of data, including public and JPMC internal data, linking CPI with critical rates like the federal funds effective rate and commercial real estate market sales price indices. What's ingenious is how they transform the CPI using yearly growth rates and logarithmic growth to make sense of how it correlates with the ups and downs of commercial real estate prices. Their findings? Incorporating CPI at the time of default significantly improves the accuracy of predicting workout LGD for commercial real estate loans. And let's not forget about the methodology. A robust mix of statistical and machine learning techniques to ensure their findings weren't accidental. To wrap this up, what Wu, Aurora, and May have achieved is not just a technical triumph. It's a crucial piece of the puzzle in understanding commercial real estate risk management. Absolutely. Their work illuminates the path forward for forecasting models, making them more resilient against the unpredictable tides of the economy. And in the broader scope, this study underscores the importance of CPI as a predictive tool, not just for economists or policymakers, but for anyone navigating the complex waters of the commercial real estate market. As we pull back and reflect, it's not just about predicting losses. It's about understanding the broader economic forces at play and how they interlink with the fortunes of commercial real estate. And that's what makes this paper not just insightful, but illuminating for professionals and laypersons alike. Are you tired of economic models that predict the future about as well as your horoscope? Do you find yourself screaming into the void, why can't someone make sense of these numbers for my commercial real estate investments? Well, scream no more. Introducing Crystal CPI, the clairvoyant software inspired by the groundbreaking work of Ying Wu, Garvit Aurora, and Xuan Mei. That's right. With Crystal CPI, you don't need a crystal ball to see the future of your real estate investments. Our software uses the magic of CPI, 
yes, the consumer price index, to forecast loss-given default like never before. Watch in amazement as Crystal CPI crunches numbers, reads the economic leaves, and predicts market trends with the mystic power of inflation rates. Gone are the days of relying on gut feelings or throwing darts at a board to make your financial decisions. With Crystal CPI, you get the next best thing to a financial fortune teller. So don't let your investments drift in the murky waters of uncertainty. Grab the wheel with Crystal CPI and sail towards a prosperous horizon. Call now, and we'll even throw in a magic eight ball for those times you think, maybe I should buy that haunted mansion. Crystal CPI. Because who said economic forecasting can't be crystal clear and a little bit magical? Welcome to our latest episode, where we investigate the intriguing findings of a groundbreaking research paper titled Impacts of Extreme Heat on Labor Force Dynamics, authored by Andrew Ireland, David Johnston, and Rachel Knott from the Center for Health Economics at Monash Business School. In this episode, we'll explore how the scorching heat of Australia's sun has been impacting its workforce, beyond just the sunburns, leading to a significant reduction in work attendance and hours worked across various sectors, with some rather unexpected findings. Delving into the details, the research utilized a unique longitudinal data set covering the years 2001 to 2019, which provided over 9.1 million daily responses from around 649,740 workers in Australia. What's fascinating here is the researchers' approach. They examined how extreme temperatures, specifically days reaching or exceeding 38 degrees Celsius or 100 degrees Arfaro, affected worker attendance and productivity versus days with milder temperatures ranging from 26 degrees Celsius to 30 degrees and the findings were quite illuminating. On those blisteringly hot days, work non-attendance spiked by 5%. Even more, workers cut down their weekly working hours by approximately 46 minutes when compared to weeks with milder temperatures. Interestingly, regardless of whether workers were based indoors or outdoors, everyone felt the heat. However, industry-specific impacts varied significantly, with the financial and insurance services sector witnessing a staggering 15% increase in absenteeism on the hottest days. It's surprising, right? When we think of heat affecting work, our minds often jump to outdoor jobs. But this research sheds light on the broader vulnerability across different sectors, including those we might perceive as less likely to be impacted. Yes, and the study highlights a crucial finding regarding adaptation. Areas historically accustomed to fewer extreme heat days exhibited larger effects, indicating challenges in long-run adaptation to rising temperatures. On the flip side, the most recent period studied, 2013 to 2019, which experienced the greatest number of extreme heat days, also saw significant impacts, underscoring the struggles with short-term adaptation as well. This brings us to the core of today's discussion how the changing climate and rising temperatures are not just environmental issues. They are intrinsically linked to our economy, our health, and our way of life. Absolutely, Jen. The implications of this research are far-reaching. It's a wake-up call for policymakers, businesses, and individuals alike to recognize the importance of adaptation strategies, not only in the traditional sectors we associate with outdoor work, but across all industries. Moreover, the paper highlights a critical need for targeted workplace programs and policies that can help mitigate these impacts, ensuring that businesses are prepared for 
and can adapt to the increasing frequency of extreme heat events. As we reflect on the findings of this study, it reminds us of the interconnectedness of our environment with our economy. The ripple effects of extreme heat on labor force dynamics underscore the urgent need for comprehensive climate policies that address both the symptoms and the root causes of climate change. Yes, Tom. And as we continue to navigate through these challenges, the insights from studies like this become invaluable tools in our collective quest for a sustainable, resilient future. Thank you for joining us on this deep dive into the impacts of extreme heat on labor force dynamics. We hope this episode not only informed you, but also sparked a conversation on the broader relevance of climate change and its myriad effects on our daily lives. Stay tuned for more episodes where we'll continue to unravel the complexities of contemporary research and its implications on our world. Until then, stay curious and keep asking the tough questions. Goodbye for now. Brr, feeling the heat? Wish you could teleport to Antarctica on those scorching hot work days? Well, guess what? Now there's an almost as cool solution. Introducing Chill Suits, the world's first climate-controlled business attire born from the smoldering findings of the impacts of extreme heat on labor force dynamics study. Because why just adapt when you can thrive in a personal cool zone? Tired of sweating through those financial reports? Chill Suits got you covered, or should we say, cooled. With our patented ice tech fabric, you can enjoy a perfect 22 degrees Celsius, no matter if it's 38 degrees Celsius or the sun's decided to sit right outside your window. And for those who thought their insurance jobs were safe from the heat, think again. But don't worry, we have a chill suit for you too. With built-in Wi-Fi, now you can send emails and chill, literally. Plus, for a limited time, each chill suit comes with a free app that tracks your productivity spikes because nothing says promotion like being the coolest head in the room during a heat wave. So say goodbye to the sweaty walk of shame from the bus stop and say hello to your new frosty freedom with chill suits. Cooling down the workforce one suit at a time. Chill suits, because climate change shouldn't dictate your dress code. Order now and make every day a cool working day. Welcome to today's episode, where we dive into the intricate world of Moroccan public hospital efficiency, and we have a gripping story to share with you. That's right, Tom. We're exploring a study by Airways Youssef and Midyud Maryam, who used the Data Envelopment Analysis, or DEA, method to assess how well Moroccan public hospitals utilize their resources. It's a story about finding balance in a system where the stakes are life and death. The Moroccan Public Hospital Network serves as a critical lifeline, providing healthcare services across the nation. But it's a network that's been facing significant challenges, especially when it comes to using its resources efficiently. The researchers dived into this by analyzing 77 public hospital networks over four years, from 2017 to 2020. They collected data on inputs like the number of hospitals, physicians, and paramedical staff, and outputs such as surgical interventions, functional capacity, hospitalization days, and admissions. Now, if you're wondering what DEA is, it's essentially a performance measurement technique used to evaluate the efficiency of decision-making units, like our hospitals, by comparing their inputs and outputs. Exactly, Tom. The DEA method has this incredible capacity to draw an efficiency frontier, picturing the most efficient hospitals. 
If a hospital is on this frontier, it's using its resources in the most effective way possible. If it's not, the DEA method shows by how much it needs to improve. The findings from this study were eye-opening. On average, the technical efficiency of these hospitals under the constant returns to scale hypothesis from 2017 to 2020 was just 0.697. This means about 71% of them operated below the DEA's efficiency frontier. In real terms, these hospitals need to reduce their inputs by a startling 30.3% to reach optimal efficiency. But it wasn't all grim news. The study also used something called the Malmquist Index to look at productivity changes over time. And there's a glimmer of hope there. They noticed an initial decline in productivity from 2017 to 2018, but then saw an improvement in the following year. It shows there's room for growth and improvement. It's a dynamically changing environment, and adaptability seems key. The concept of peer modeling also came into play, showing that nearly 72.7% of the hospitals should take cues from their most efficient peers, especially starting in 2020. It's like having a mentor in the world of public healthcare efficiency. Reflecting on this, Jen, the major takeaway from the study isn't just about numbers or efficiency scores. It's larger than that. It's about how vital it is for healthcare systems, especially public ones in developing countries like Morocco, to utilize every resource they have optimally. Absolutely, Tom. It's more than an academic exercise. It's about real-world impacts. Enhancing hospital efficiency means more lives saved, better care provided, and a healthier population. It's about making sure that precious resources in healthcare are used where they're needed most. And this kind of research, employing methods like DEA and the MOM-QUIST index, offers a roadmap. It's a way to diagnose the system's health and prescribe the steps necessary to move closer to efficiency. It opens a broader conversation about the importance of continually assessing and improving healthcare systems worldwide. It's a reminder of the crucial role of data and analysis in creating better outcomes for patients everywhere. Well said, Jen. It's been a fascinating journey into the heart of Morocco's public hospital network and the quest for efficiency. It underscores the universal challenge in healthcare, maximizing resources to provide the best care possible. All right, dear listeners, have you ever walked into a hospital and thought, wow, this place could use a tune-up? Or maybe you've seen doctors rushing around and thought, there's got to be a better way. Well, folks, have we got the solution for you? Introducing Efficiency Genies, the magical solution to turn any dragging, lagging hospital into a pinnacle of healthcare performance. Picture this a group of highly trained experts armed with clipboards and calculators descending on hospitals. They're not doctors, they're not nurses, they're Tom and Jen, efficiency genies. With a sprinkle of data here and a dash of analysis there, they'll have your local hospital running smoother than ever. Wait times, slashed. Paperwork, vanished. And the best part? They ride around on little scooters wearing capes because why not add a little flair to efficiency? Need more beds? Zap, more hands, pow. Better use of resources, bam. The efficiency genies are on it, turning healthcare nightmares into efficient dreams. So don't wait until you're pulling your hair out. Call 1-800-GENIE-FIX and say goodbye to inefficiency for good. Efficiency genies. Because who said healthcare can't be a little bit magical and weird? <music>
Welcome back to our deep dive series, where we explore the intricate layers of groundbreaking research. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today we're journeying into the heart of Africa, examining the financial factors influencing maternal, newborn, and child health across this vast and diverse continent. The study we're exploring today comes from the brilliant minds at Ibn Tofail University in Morocco. Erez Youssef and Madoud Mariam delve deep into evaluating the efficiency of healthcare systems in 46 African countries, focusing on maternal, newborn, and child health, or as they compactly put it, MNCH. Their methodology is fascinating. They use data envelopment analysis, a non-parametric method that measures the efficiency of decision-making units, in this case, healthcare systems. They also utilize Tobit regression to dig deeper into the factors that contribute to inefficiencies. The results were eye-opening. Only 26% of the countries studied were found to be efficient. That's just 12 out of 46 countries. The inefficiencies in the rest highlight a significant gap in healthcare delivery across the continent. And when it comes to the financial aspects, the findings are quite revealing. Current health expenditures, comprehensive coverage index, and per capita health expenditure negatively impacted the efficiency of MNCH services. This signal that merely throwing money at the problem isn't the solution. It's about how those financial resources are utilized. Absolutely, Jen. And let's not forget the broader implications here. Africa has the highest MNCH mortality ratio globally. In 2020 alone, about 287,000 women died. And in 2021, 5 million children didn't see their fifth birthday. These numbers are staggering and far from the Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, for 2030. Those SDGs aim for maternal mortality to be fewer than 70 per 100,000 live births and neonatal mortality to be as low as 12 per 1,000 live births. Current rates are well above these targets, underscoring the urgency of addressing healthcare system inefficiencies. The study also shines a light on examples of efficiency. Eritrea was mentioned 34 times as a reference point for other countries. It seems countries can draw lessons from Eritrea and others like Seychelles and São Tomé, which were also highlighted for their efficiency. And through tools like the Tobit model, the study dug into variables influencing inefficiency. The revelations that healthcare expenditure and corruption have significant impacts offer a pathway to addressing some of the systemic issues plaguing healthcare in Africa. Now, reflecting on all this, Jen, it's clear that combating maternal and child mortality in Africa is a complex challenge that transcends healthcare. It envelops financial, administrative, and systemic facets that require holistic approaches and reforms. Exactly, Tom. Policies need to enable efficient utilization of resources, enhance healthcare access, and ensure that interventions are scaled appropriately across communities. This study not only provides a call to action, but a blueprint on areas needing urgent attention. And the timing couldn't be more critical, with 2030 just around the corner. Achieving the SDGs requires concerted effort, innovation, and a commitment to revisiting how healthcare is delivered and financed in Africa. Listeners, as we wrap up today's episode, it's evident that the road ahead is both challenging and full of potential. The health of mothers, newborns, and children in Africa is a bellwether for global health. And as this study shows, there's much work to be done, but also a path forward is emerging. Until next time, we encourage you to consider how interconnected our world is 
and the role health plays in shaping our future. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Thank you for joining us on this journey of understanding and discovery. Ever dreamed of turning complex data into something as fun as a day at the amusement park? Well, buckle up, because HealthCoaster is here. That's right. Inspired by the groundbreaking study on healthcare efficiency, we've created the world's first theme park where every ride, game, and snack is designed to make learning about healthcare finance and efficiency exhilarating. Ever been on a roller coaster that shows you the ups and downs of healthcare expenditure? With HealthCoaster, experience the thrilling dives of budget cuts and the soaring highs of efficient funding. And don't miss our Tobit Tunnel of Terror, where you're plunged into darkness, only to be surprised by startling statistics and facts about healthcare inefficiencies. It's a scream! Hungry for knowledge and snacks? Take a bite out of our corruption cotton candy. It may be sweet, but it leaves a bit of a bitter aftertaste, symbolizing the impact of corruption on healthcare resources. So join us at Health Coaster, where we turn data into adrenaline. Because who said learning about maternal, newborn, and child health in Africa couldn't be a wild ride? Health Coaster, where fun and knowledge meet at breakneck speed. Don't just learn about the issues, experience them. Disclaimer, no actual healthcare resources were used in the making of this amusement park. Always consult real data and experts for your healthcare insights. Welcome back, folks, to another episode where we dive deep into the cutting edge of technology and science. And today, we're unraveling something that at first glance might sound like we're deciphering the Enigma code. We're talking about analyzing games in Maker Protocol Part 1, a multi-agent influence diagram approach towards coordination. That's right, Tom. Today, we're delving into the complex world of decentralized finance, or DeFi, which has been transforming the financial landscape with systems like the Maker Protocol. But what makes this system, and many like it tick, are intricate games ensuring stability and security. And these games, well, they're not child's play. Exactly, Jen. Picture this. You're playing a massive global game of chess, but instead of moving bishops and knights, you're adjusting interest rates, managing collateral, and navigating through a labyrinth of digital contracts. That's the simplified day in the life within the Maker Protocol, a cornerstone of the DeFi ecosystem responsible for the DAI stablecoin. And the paper we're looking into today, crafted by a team from universities across Canada and India, and Chain Risk Research, introduces a groundbreaking methodology to analyze these complex interactions. They've leveraged multi-agent influence diagrams, or MAIDs, to dissect and understand the underlying games within the Maker Protocol. Now, Maids sound like something out of a sci-fi novel, but they're essentially a sophisticated way to model decision-making scenarios involving multiple agents. Think of them as characters in a game with different objectives and actions. What this paper does is represent users and governance of the Maker Protocol as these agents capturing the elaborate web of influences and decisions. It's a bit like trying to predict the weather by understanding how individual molecules of air interact. These researchers are aiming to identify vulnerabilities in the system and optimize incentive mechanisms to ensure the platform remains robust against economic storms. And that's crucial because the stability and security of DeFi platforms like Maker hinge on these interactions. 
It's not just about building a secure system in the technical sense, but also about ensuring that the economic incentives align to prevent exploitation or collapse. The researchers have even put forward a Nash equilibrium model in the pipeline to shed light on strategies promoting coordination among users, further bolstering the ecosystem's security. It's a classic case of applying age-old game theory to the frontier of financial technology. For those of us not fluent in game theory lingo, Nash equilibrium is more or less a state in a game where no player can benefit by changing their strategy while the others keep theirs unchanged. It's the ideal harmony in a system where everyone is doing the best they can, considering the actions of others. This research doesn't just contribute to a deeper understanding of the Maker Protocol, but also sets a precedent for analyzing other DeFi platforms. By introducing a method to formally verify the game-theoretic security of these systems, the team has taken a pioneering step towards ensuring these digital financial ecosystems can thrive securely and inclusively. And that, Jen, is where the true beauty of this research lies. It's not just about making one system secure. It's about laying down a roadmap for the future of decentralized finance. A future where financial inclusivity and innovation march hand in hand, protected against the unpredictable tides of economic interests and influences. As we wrap up today's episode, it's clear that the intersection of game theory, cryptocurrency, and decentralized finance is spawning a fascinating field of academic and practical inquiry. The applications of this research could very well shape the stability and security of DeFi ecosystems, and by extension, the broader financial landscape of the future. It's been an enlightening deep dive into the realm of DeFi and the intricate games at play within the Maker Protocol. Stay tuned for more episodes where we unravel the mysteries of technology and science, making them accessible and fascinating. Until next time, keep pondering the complex games of the digital age, and who knows, you might just crack the code to the next big innovation in finance. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. And now, a quick word from our sponsor, Stable Stakes. Ever found yourself longing for the thrill of betting on the stability of digital currencies, but thought, wow, that sounds complicated and not fun at all? Well, buckle up, because Stable Stakes has turned the world of decentralized finance into the wildest party this side of the blockchain. With Stable Stakes, you're not just watching numbers on a screen. Oh no, you're diving headfirst into the chaotic world of DeFi with a mission to keep the digital world stable and win fabulous prizes. Think of it as a game show meets financial analysis. Using the same multi-agent influence diagrams discussed in our show, StableStakes turns the complex interactions within systems like the Maker Protocol into a wild strategy-based game. Players become agents, battling it out to predict outcomes, secure the system, and create the most efficient, stable digital currency environment imaginable. And the best part? You can win cryptocurrency for making the digital world a safer place. So if you've always felt that your calling was to be a superhero in the world of decentralized finance, now's your chance. Don your cape, dust off that calculator, and join us at Stable Stakes. Stable Stakes. Because who said finance had to be boring? Sign up today and get your first transaction fee waived with the code CRAZYECONOMICS. Play, strategize, stabilize. Stable Stakes, the future of DeFi is in your hands. Thank you.